Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that keeps you up to date with your Houston Texans, and that is Texans All Access. Tonight, very special indeed, as it's the eve of the preseason opener, the Texans taking on the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium tomorrow night. I guess a few people are surprised. Wait a minute, they're playing Thursday? Yes, they are. Thursday night, most NFL teams are opening their preseason on Thursday night, by the way. But we'll have it for you right here, 7.30 kick and 4.30 with Texans Countdown, presented by FCL Dental. Tonight, Brian Gain. We visited with him a lot during training camp at the Greenbrier, so it's time to get some of the best of that stuff, quarterbacks, defensive line, whatever else. A lot of stuff coming your way. We won't get to all of it. We're going to save some of it for future shows, but... And we only have an hour tonight, so I can't get you all of the Brian Gain visits. But it's good stuff indeed as we caught up with the general manager of your Houston Texans and asked him how training camp was going to go. This is day one of camp with Brian Gain, and we'll take it from there. Well, what we're hoping to get out of training camp is to lay the foundation for, for a very good, positive season. So it's a lot of work to get done and get accomplished here, not, not just on the field, but also in the classroom the installation process, the repetitions that are needed on the field, the coordination efforts. Um, you know, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm happy uh, about the most, though, is when I think back to January and I think about all the procedures we put in place, when I think about the preparation for free agency, I think about the preparation for the draft and the coordinated effort it took with the coaches and the staff and all the facility changes and the organizational changes that we made. It's all kind of come to fruition here over the past few weeks where all the hard work has kind of positioned us now to, to go play football. Sort of feels like you're taking Grease Lightning out of the road. Why is that? Well, in some sense, if you think about the movie Grease, you're doing all this construction on Grease Lightning, and now you get to take it out on the road, so to speak. <laughs> You've done all this work, and now you get to go see what the car can do. Yeah, it's a compliment to our, uh, first of all, to our players, uh, to our coaches and our staff for, uh, look, the, the organization had to embrace change, and we've had to go through a lot of changes from, uh, administrative, operational, logistical roster changes. So everyone's done a great job embracing that process. And, and I think it, 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 now it's time to go to work. I think now everybody is, is finished and done with going through the change. Now it's time to go play football. Brian, I want to talk about the setup here for a moment, but just can you comment on what's going on back home at NRG Stadium? Because you, Bill O'Brien, Jamie Roots, the McNairs, everybody involved with a massive change, really. And it all started with the Sports Performance Center weight room and now the cafeteria and everything else that's going on there at NRG Stadium. Sure. So there's been external changes. And when you see those changes, I mean, about the roster, you visibly see the new players, who's, who's here and who's no longer here. But there's been internal changes you know, one from a staffing standpoint, and then number two from the the the, uh, the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so something that I think Coach O'Brien uh, and myself, and with the support of, of the McNair family, we've been able to make a lot of internal changes as it relates to our facility. And it's very important to put the resources around our players and our staff to help them be successful from uh, changes in the training room and upgrades to the facility in the training room. Obviously, it's been spoken about the uh, the commitment to the sports performance center, the overhaul and changes uh, to the weight room and the sports performance element of what we do. Uh, areas in the locker room, the cafeteria is going to be a brand new cafeteria for our players. And I thought what was important for us too was to to, to carry forward a symbolic message to our players as we branded our facility to show our players that uh, when they walk in our building every day, this is the Houston Texans facility. And we want them to have a personal investment in that. So all those changes that we made, uh, some are externally visible, others are internally. 
but we feel like it's positioning our players and our staff to have the resources to be successful. Brian, when we would have players come in during media days or during uh, mini camps, OTAs, and talk to them, and we would mention the sports performance center or the nutrition aspect, their faces would just light up like, whoa, have you seen a significant change in not only players' bodies but just compositions of the players having gone through Sports Performance Center, training with Luke, and then obviously with lads doing with nutrition? I have. I have. Definitely been impactful changes as it relates to how we train the players and the results that we've gotten, uh, the attention to detail that we put into the preparation for, for individualized uh, performance for players as it relates to weight loss, weight gain, strength gains, um, from rest, recovery, to wellness, to hydration. The nutritional element has been a huge commitment from the McNairs here to, for us to, to make that as, as great as it can be. So I feel like some of those benefits have come to fruition through the off-season program. Uh, feedback from the players has been very positive, and we're hoping those, that the impact is going to carry forward here into the season. Texans General Manager Brian Gain with us fieldside here at the Greenbrier. All right, quarterbacks. You have a great one in Deshaun Watson, obviously a great six-and-a-half-game stretch last year. So how are you looking to build on that? What are you looking for as an organization here from Deshaun year two? Well, what I would say about Deshaun is he's a good young prospect, and, and the arrow's up with, with a high ceiling and a lot of ascending potential. But he only played six games. So there's, there's a lot yet to be determined about, about his future, but we're all excited about that. that that's, that's number one. Number two, my experience of being around him from studying him pre-draft and now uh, being on the same team with him is, uh, is the intangible profile. And I've said this a few other times, is just, just how he's wired, his leadership ability, his poise, his presence, his work ethic, how he operates in the classroom, his chemistry with his teammates. And, and, and that's a part of scouting a quarterback when you, when you go visit schools and you watch guys at games. It's, it's easy to watch the physical traits on the tape, but when you descend on the school and you visit the school, and now the more time I'm around Deshaun, the intangible profile is something never to underscore with Deshaun, and I think that's a critical part to, to quarterback success in the National Football League. As it relates to the room, we like the room. You know, Brandon Whedon offers us a good level of experience. We have familiarity with, mm-hmm. with uh, Brandon, and he has a background from being here in a working relationship with Coach O'Brien. He's won a game or two for us when he's had to go play. He's had starts under his belt. He understands his role. He's a good resource for the starter. Um, and then the competition will play out thereafter with, with Joe Webb and, and with Stephen Morris. So we, we like the room. It's a good room. It's a good group of guys. They work hard. And we're excited about the promise and potential of Deshaun, but there's, there's a lot of football ahead of him. He only played six games, so we just think the arrow's up and he's got a good ceiling. Brian, I'm not sure if we should talk about Joe Webb today or a different day. Because a lot of people ask us, you know, is Joe Webb a quarterback? How do, how do we look at Joe Webb? Because he's done so many different things in his career. How valuable is that? But on the flip side, how tricky can that be that he does play some other positions as well? Yeah, Joe Webb is a football player. That's the best way to couch that. He's yeah. a football player who happens for us to, to, to play quarterback. And the one year I spent in Buffalo, he actually repped for us a wide receiver, knowing that, hey, in an emergency situation, he could go play quarterback. He could be a package player. He could be a situational player. He can be a role player and equally add some value on fourth down and special teams. So he's kind of a Swiss Army knife, a a jack-of-all-trades. He happens to be playing quarterback for us right now. And we're excited to evaluate him and and, and see how it goes. But he offers a lot of versatility. You've heard me talk about versatility and utility ability from the players and, and equally on fourth down. So as it relates to offense, 
quarterback, role play situations, wide receiver potential, but also the ability to, to help Brad Staley on special teams. Give us a little snapshot of Stephen Morris out of the University of Miami, and he's been around the block a little bit. So, uh, Stephen is a cerebral guy, smart, instinctive player, knows where to go with the football. Um, <clears throat> what I would say about Stephen for us, like he's been a quick study. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about playing the quarterback position, we claimed him here, I think, I don't know if it was post-draft, a few weeks after the post-draft. Mm-hmm. So we really only had a few weeks with us into our into our system. And to play the quarterback position, to play fast, you you, you got to know the playbook. Well, what I can say about him, he's positioned himself to saturate himself in the knowledge and, and the intelligence that he needs to go out and try to play fast and earn a job. So it's compliments to Steven that he's put the time and effort into learning the playbook fast. Brian, with Deshaun, we've talked about all offseason. How much is he going to be able to do – What's he going to be able to do by the time he gets to training camp? Obviously, he's not on PUP. We saw him in OTAs do certain things, and there's certain things he, he didn't do. And I'm sure you guys have gone through what he's going to be able to do in practice and whatnot. How tricky was that to go through? Well, he can be able to do this, but he's not going to be able to do it. How tough was that to kind of put together with Coach and the rest of the staff? You know, not very tough because we have monitored his development, his rehabilitation daily. So, we, you know, we, it's not just an all, all of a sudden we roll him out there and and he goes and does everything at a high level. We've yeah. kind of amped him up through the off season, and he's worked up to this point right now. So he's he's full go. He's cleared. But you heard me say this yesterday. We're going to be smart. We're going to be efficient. We're going to be productive. We're going to get our work done. But we also have to understand he is coming off a major injury. But it's very complimentary to him that he's positioned himself to be ready for this only nine months removed from from his injury. You said yesterday your brother went to West Virginia. He huh? did. Wow. Morgantown, West Virginia. So I may have been in high school or younger years when we would make our trips here from, <laughs> from New York up through the mountains and spend the weekends with them. So we've always enjoyed our time here in West Virginia as a family. Brian, as we've gone through OTAs and minicamps, they've been in the same outfit, shorts and jerseys, et cetera, and they got one more day of that. How important does Saturday become the first time you get to see these guys? And, I mean, there are a number of free agents, signees on the offensive line, a number of rookies out there how important does saturday become for the guys that finally get to bang a little bit so so saturday would be another day of evaluation naturally the 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 tempo and intensity would be much higher than what uh what we'll we'll see here these first two days um but i like to think we spend so much time preparing our players to be ready uh for for that uh, session when we do have the pads on um even but the days that when we don't have the pads on they're critically important too because timing coordination communication, footwork, technique, re- requires a lot of mental focus. And although you might not be having the engagement and the contact, the, the, those certainly are, are focus days. So tomorrow will be a good test for our players and a good evaluation from us for us as it relates to the composition of the 90-man roster. All right, let's talk offensive line now. And it's really going to be a new unit this year because you have Nick Martin back, of course, but you signed your free agents at guard and everything. What about the total picture there, Brian, as you look for the best starting five to begin the season? Sure. So uh, it, that question makes me reflect on, on the offseason. And when, when we started our, our offseason plan, we, we certainly wanted to address address the improvement in terms of the personnel on the offensive line. So um, we feel with the upgrades and the additions that we made through free agency and the draft, we created more more depth more depth we certainly created more versatility and then thirdly we created more competition so the best five will play as it relates to uh, who gets the starting jobs the other part about that is you know we think about our game day roster as well if you're dressing seven offensive linemen or if you're dressing eight offensive linemen you know who's player six who's player seven 
Um, and then when you think about the 53, how many offensive linemen are you going to keep? It could range from anywhere as low as 8 to maybe as high as 11. All that will work itself out, we think. Um, but nevertheless, we feel like we addressed, upgraded the depth, the versatility, and, and the competition of the unit. Brian, for so long, Dwayne Brown played that left tackle position and obviously not going to anymore. And it can, it can be a number of guys, but one guy that we have focused on is Julian Davenport. Played left tackle at Bucknell, and all of a sudden he comes to the NFL. You go from facing VMI to facing Yannick Ngakwe. I mean, that's a very difficult transition. But that year one to year two jump we always talk about, if he makes that a successful jump in year one to year two, what kind of player do you think Julian Davenport can be? Well, the first thing I think about is player development. And, and that, that's a, a long cycle. It doesn't happen overnight. We can't microwave players. I've often said that to the scouts. We've got to invest in their development and, and, and work on, on, that, on their craft. So I think the, the, the play time and the starts that he got last year will certainly pay us some dividends here as we move into this season. Um, as, re, as it relates to the physical requirements and, and parameters that he has, he has size. He has length. He has athletic ability. He had a good offseason in terms of strength development and core development. Uh, and I think the, the year of seasoning that he had is starting to show potentially some dividends here on the field as we progress into our practice sex- sessions and equally in the OTAs. With that playtime, too, comes confidence. And every day he's going out here, yeah. he's playing against Whitney Merciless, J.J. Watt, and when J.D. Clowney gets back out there, those are three guys we think that'll battle test him to be ready for the season. Brian, in my expert football opinion, Chantrell Henderson is large. He's a very large human being. So uh, let's discuss what he brings to he the table. He went deep into another reason yes. for that study. Yeah. So I would, I would expand on this with our offensive line uh, parameters. We, we certainly wanted to upgrade the talent and the composition of the group through free agency in the draft. But equally, Bill and I wanted to get bigger, longer, and stronger on the offensive line. He certainly meets those parameters. All, all our free agents, we felt added to, to those dimensions but uh, Central has versatility number one to play either the right side or the left side right now he's he's here working on the right side but he equally has the ability to go over to the left so when I think about the game day flexibility when you're dressing seven offensive linemen if and when adversity strikes we have that degree of flexibility to manage the roster uh, as it relates to dressing a 46 man roster uh, Central has had starts on the right side. He's had some starts on the left, both preseason and regular season. So he's had play time on both sides. And just perhaps this is year what, year four, year five of his career. Maybe now it's time mm-hmm. where, where, where he maybe hasn't earned that full-time job. Our opportunity is here to be a full-time starter. He's competing for that role. He's working in that role right now. But perhaps right now where he is in his career, perhaps now it's time. It's the best of Brian Gain here on Texans All Access tonight. Coming up, more position groups will continue to check in with some of what the general manager had to say at the Greenbrier in training camp on the eve of the preseason opener. It's Texans All Access.
It's the eve of the preseason opener. The Texans playing the Chiefs tomorrow night at Arrowhead Stadium. 7.30 kick, 4.30 with Texans Countdown, presented by FCL Dental right here and on television on ABC 13. We continue with some best of Brian Gaines stuff from training camp at the Greenbrier, and we pick it up right where we left off, talking about the offensive line with the GM of your Texans. Brian, on the interior, there are guys, and, and Mark mentioned Nick Martin, he played center, but he could play guard. Zach Fulton played center. He's been at guard. He can play either. He'd do that in OTAs because Nick wasn't quite ready. How important is that versatility on the inside for guys to be able to play center and guard? And which do you think is ultimately more difficult to play? We were talking about this yesterday, center or guard. It's hard to say, but I would say as it relates to uh, Zach Fulton, we're pleased that we got him in free agency. It goes back to what we talked about two, two minutes ago, the physical parameters. Yeah. You're talking about a guy who's – Six foot five, three hundred and fifteen pounds, long arms. The great thing about Zach is he actually has generated starts at all three spots on the interior. I, legitimately, he could start at left guard, right guard, or center if and when we needed him to do that. So that's the beauty of of his versatility. When it comes to the center guard combination, there's a whole lot of communication there. If you think about how it works down the line from the center to the guard to the tackle, you know Zach is well versed in communicating from inside to the left from inside to the right. So he's had to do all those things in his career. So his ability to communicate and his intelligence factor, whether he plays center or guard, if he's lining up at guard, my instinct tells me he he knows a lot what the center is already thinking about. So the communication factor is excellent so far as it relates to that. Brian, Senio Calamete, he started for a postseason team in the New Orleans Saints last year, explosive offense. What about what he can do for you? Your your question makes me think of one thing. These three free agents that we brought in all had postseason experience last mm-hmm. year. Santrell in Buffalo, Senio, and uh, and Zach Fulton. They've all had postseason ex- uh, playing experience. Uh, it goes back to the versatility, number one. He's had starts at left guard, right guard, at center. He's even played offensive tackle, and he's even played the jumbo tight end role. For us here right now, he's our, our day one starting right guard, so he's competing for that spot. Goes back to the physical parameters. This guy is six foot three, six foot four, over three hundred pounds, long arms, good athlete. What he adds for us is 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 a uh, is an athletic dimension that can play in line as it relates to his blocking assignments, but also get to the second level. And he's a pretty good puller. Mm-hmm. So we're excited about the athleticism that he adds to the group when we think about the composition of the interior, where Nick Martin is healthy coming back. You got a big presence in Zach Fulton in terms of power and strength. And then you have this athletic presence with Senio Calamente. So the composition of Zach and Senio, we think, creates a, uh, a complementary dimension with our two guards. Brian, a guy that we have, have talked about, and sometimes I, I tend to, I would say I tend to forget about him, but a guy that was drafted late, and I know we've talked to OB about him, and that they, they like Kyle Fuller. What have you seen in Kyle coming back in year two? And can Kyle be a guy that competes to maybe get in that starting five somewhere? Yeah, so height and length, uh, physical ability, has the physical dimensions that we like. Six foot five, 310, 315 pounds. He's got guard, center flex. And I keep going back to the game day roster. Yeah. So if he's competing for a roster spot, that's great. But how does he get the jersey on game day? Yeah. So if he's going to be your sixth or seventh offensive lineman, if you're a one-hole player, that creates some problems as it relates to how you manage the 46-man roster. So his ability to demonstrate that he can be a three-hole guy and play center, left guard, and right guard will be critically important in order for him to get a, a game-day jersey to yeah. get to the 46-man. We like his promise. We like his potential. There's a lot of upside. It's year two. He's had a good offseason. 
Uh, we think the arrow's up, but he's got a pretty good ceiling. No, we don't know if I don't know if he can catch, but he can play tight end. We have seen that. <laughs> We've seen that. All right, a couple of quick ones for you, Brian. I know you got to go, but tell us a little bit about David Quesenberry here, trying to make this squad and make a contribution, and also Greg Mance, who again has that versatility you like. First and foremost, and I've told David this, he is an inspiration. Mm-hmm. He is an inspiration to many, and maybe many he doesn't even know. Um, this guy is an excellent pro. His approach. His mindset, his competitive nature, he is an excellent teammate. Uh, and, and above all, he's, he's, a, he's a great person. He's got size, he's got length, he's got versatility. He's played tackle in the past, he's played guard, he's even played center. He's competing for a roster spot. He's given his best out there, so we're optimistic that you know he's going to make these things a, a very, very difficult decision for us as it relates to how many offensive linemen we keep. Uh, with Greg Manns, uh, we're happy to have him. Obviously, he's had... Uh, very very good uh, game day versatility for us in the past he's had to get starts in the past so we like if he's one of our backups and he's not in the starting role that this guy actually has experience in the starting job so to have that luxury of a guy who's functioning either as your sixth or seventh interior game day offensive lineman like he's actually had to go and play and go in and play games greg's a great teammate he's smart he's versatile another guy that's a big guy six foot five 310 pounds um, smart, intelligent, can play three positions. We're happy to have him. Having played the position, how does that change, if at all, how you evaluate tight ends? Well, it really doesn't change. We have our critical factors and position specifics for the tight end position as a whole. And I would use the, the term that I played loosely. And uh, <laughs> Although I, I had a chance to compete for a roster spot in the league, it, at least it, it gives me a perspective on, on, on what these guys are dealing with and what the expectations are from the coaches and maybe with the training camp experience and, and how to prepare for a game is for the tight ends. But in our offense, the tight end position is critically important because we have really different positions within that subgroup. And it's you have the Y position, we have the F, and both of those positions require a lot of, uh, a lot of intelligence, uh, a lot of adaptability on the fly, a lot of versatility. We ask them to line up in line. We ask them to line up in the backfield. We ask them to detach from the formation. They have to be able to react to the fronts. They need to be able to read coverages and react to the coverages and, and do it fast mm-hmm. at the same time. So versatility is, is a unique skill set at that position. And, and from an intelligence standpoint, we ask our tight ends to do a lot of different things. Ryan Griffin seems like one of those guys who can do both. And he's played a lot of football for this organization. He's the old guy now. He's the veteran. So how does he fit into this mix? What are you looking for him in 2018? What I like about Ryan is he can line up in a lot of different places. You can put him in line. He can move away from the formation. Uh, he can motion. He can play in space. Uh, he can play at the line of scrimmage. So Ryan offers a lot of versatility in that, in that regard. He also leads by example. Um, I also like the fact Ryan's a big man. Like From afar, you maybe not realize how big he is, but when you get next to Ryan, he's all about six foot six, two hundred and fifty something pounds. He moves well, he runs well. You know, the other thing I would add is uh, naturally we're all disappointed that we lost C.J. Fedorowicz, and C.J. Mm-hmm. was a good pro for for us, and we wish him well. He, you know, he made that decision for his future, but you know, Ryan's got some big shoes to fill with C.J., and we have expectations that he will. Well, you have Steven Anderson, but he seems like more of the receiving type for sure. So you're looking for your rookies to help out as well. And I know you have a lot of other guys as well. So let's discuss the rookies maybe first before we get back to Anderson because Jordan Thomas is impossible to ignore. He's huge. And Jordan Akins looks like he's fitting in well so far. I'll start with Jordan Akins. We selected him in the third round, a unique pedigree and skill set because he was a uh, minor league baseball player. I believe he was drafted in the third round by an organization and was in the minor league, so he's a little bit older. 
in terms of coming into the league, but certainly presents pass game value. He's a willing blocker. Uh, we're going to try to develop him in, in that phase so that he can be a fully dimensional player at the position. Uh, and he's caught on well to the offense. Uh, Jordan Thomas, uh, you can't ignore the size. Now, the one thing to remember about Jordan is he played wide receiver and lined up as a receiver at, at, at Mississippi State. So he is learning a new position here. But he's made some plays for us. He's a naturally big man. Uh, he can catch the contested ball. He's got a very good catch radius. He's been a factor for us in the passing game. Uh, but we're going to lean on him in the run game as well. So both those guys are young players who are going to have to earn their reps and earn their opportunities here, and it's good competition at the position. And with Steven Anderson, he's had production for us in the past game in, in recent seasons, and a guy that's uh, been a contributing player for us. So comparatively to previous years, I feel like the depth and the competition at that position has exponentially increased this offseason. I think it's worth bringing up with Thomas. When the fans see him, they're going to see how huge he is, and they might mistake him for an offensive lineman. You never know. But do you like the body the way it is at around 280 or whatever the weight is? Do you like this, him coming in like this? Jordan Thomas is about 270 pounds. Um, he's a very good example of everything that we changed this offseason from our sports performance element mm-hmm. to our strength and conditioning to our nutritional element. A young player like him with his body type at the position he plays, uh, from a mobility standpoint, from a flexibility standpoint, all those things, he is one of the probably ideal players that will benefit from the type of program that we run in our sports performance element here. Who stands out among the rest? I know you have a lot of guys vying for positions, including Matt Lengel, who's played some football for the Patriots and Browns. Sure. So Matt's a big man. Uh, he's had history in the running game as a blocker. He plays more or less the wide position for us. Um, but he has the ability to, to go out and catch passes as well. So we're looking for him to kind of earn a role and earn a spot as it relates to playing a, a blocking role and whatever he can give us in the passing game, that's great. Um, and, and the rest of the group really, it, it, I would say like McCole um, Pruitt, offers us the versatility and the utility skill set to line up in the backfield, to play at the line of scrimmage. He's had some active roster snaps in his career. He's also been a practice squad player. Uh, His versatility is attractive to us, and we're looking for him to compete in that role or for the ability to play in line out in space or in the backfield. So we're happy about that. And then we have a young player, uh, Giovanni Robinson, who was on our practice squad last year. He was a former basketball player. He's not available to us at the moment. He's dealing with injury. But when you see him out here on the practice field, the height, the length, the ball skills, just just has a lot to learn ahead of him. But he's, but he's a project for us, and we're optimistic about him presenting an element for us when he gets healthy here in the passing game when he returns. Brian Gain with us. All right, let's shift gears to wide receivers now. DeAndre Hopkins, it's almost unfair that the quarterbacks get to throw to him out here. He just seems to catch everything. And you have to love having such a polished pro and a guy who just shows up and does his job at such an elite level. The one thing that stands out to me uh, now in the role that I'm here with the team as a general manager is he is a very competitive player. Like, he really works hard in practice for us. Talented as, as a guy he is, he sets a good example for his work ethic in practice. So we're excited about his quiet leadership in that regard. Um, the other thing, too, is the chemistry he's able to build with the quarterback and, and with Deshaun only being available to us six games last year, like the off-season time that he's had with Deshaun and then now the time they're spending here in training camp. You know, with last year where Deshaun was coming in as a rookie and Tom Savage was still here, kind of they were working through that starting role. This is the really the first full off-season and now first training camp where those two guys are working hand-in-hand, one-on-one. Chemistry, communication, body language, the subtleties of the position, that is a critical element between a quarterback and receiver. 
and we feel like we're ahead of the game right now down the line with that relationship. Will Fuller runs like the wind. It looks like he's a little thicker or something. What did he do in the offseason? Another perfect example of another player that's benefited from all the changes that we made in our strength and conditioning, nutrition, and sports performance, and he's taken full advantage of that. He's been explosive. He's caught the ball well, uh, showed good route running skill. He's shown improvement, development, takes to coaching, so we're happy with his progress. How about Ellington? Making a lot of noise in this camp so far, making a lot of plays. Yeah, I I wasn't here last year, but I watched Mm -hmm. him from afar and reviewed all the films. So uh, a natural inside slot player, natural feel, natural instincts, a savvy player, very aware, uh, can read coverage, read and react to coverage and and adjust the coverage, good ball skills. He also presents uh, uh, some ability to contribute on special teams in the return game. How's Kiki QT fitting in so far, Brian? Kiki was our fourth-round pick from uh, Texas Tech, and uh, he's had a very good camp so far. We're, we'll continue to ho- hope that he continues to develop here. He's had a very good offseason for us. He's explosive. He's fast. He's sudden. He's got twitch. He's got quickness. He's got rackability, ball skills, and he offers an element in the return game. So he has inserted some speed, explosiveness, and space playmakeability for us. When you look at Sammy Coates, he's one of those impressive-looking individuals, big, strong, fast, and it looks like he's having a pretty good time so far out here. So what are you looking for from him? Sammy is another player where you've heard me talk about prototypical standards, height, weight, speed, uh, the prototypical body type mm-hmm. in terms of being six foot two, 210 pounds. He's a 4'4 guy. But Sammy made his bread and butter last year uh, in the league on special teams. Right. And we're hoping now, we don't see as much of that right now, we're hoping that Sammy can really be impactful in that area. But at the receiver position, his natural size and his natural speed presents an element that the defense has to be aware of. And when we claimed him from Cleveland, I think it was Cleveland, um, we thought that he would add depth and competition to the reserve units. So we're, it's all going to work itself out, but, but competition is healthy for any position. All right, it's a big year for Braxton Miller. I guess it's a big year for everybody every year, but what about Braxton, Brian? So Braxton Miller, you're hoping now it's year three where perhaps you know he has that one to two years under his belt. We can't forget that he was a quarterback in college, making the transition to a new position. Uh, he's had a very good offseason, another guy that's benefited from all the changes that we had. He does have height, weight, speed uh, for the position that we look for. The unique skill set he has is he can play inside or outside, Who, although he might not be that, you know, uh, that starter, that they, mm-hmm. the, the play one starter, we think he offers the ability to have a contributing skill set either outside or inside. And that's that's unique for us because if and when adversity strikes, we want guys that have the versatility to play either or positions. All right. Give me a little snapshot of the rest of the guys because I know you have some young talent. DeAndre White, who was in camp here last year for a bit, got hurt, but he's fast, and you got Smith who's fast. What about these other guys, Brian? DeAndre's made a few plays here, and he stood out. He's competing for a role as it relates to the roster. But when I think about the receiver position, like beyond the, the guys you'll see kind of in the top top three or four positions, the special teams element is critical. Mm. If you keep six or seven receivers, player six and player seven really has to have an impact on special teams. Player five has to have an impact on special teams, even player four. So the fourth down element of our decisions in terms of how we shape out the receiver unit, special teams is going to be a critical part of the evaluation. More stuff from Brian Gain and plenty more on the way here on the Best of Brian Gain episode of the eve of the preseason opener. It's Texans All Access.
In just over 24 hours from now, the Texans will be playing football. That's right. We'll have a football game to discuss. It'll be live right here, 4.30 p.m. with Texans Countdown, presented by FCL Dental. And on ABC 13, 7.30 kickoff. Let's have some fun tomorrow. And more fun tonight, more Brian Gaines. From the training camp episodes at the Greenbrier, and we pick up with running backs. Lamar Miller told us the other day he's dropped a few pounds, and he's raring to go like they all are, really. But, Brian, tell us about Lamar entering this year. So Lamar has a what we would call a three-down skill set. He can play on first down or base down fronts or, or looks. He can play on third down. He can play situational football. He's an inside runner. He's an outside runner. Lamar is a very good pass protector for, for those that, that do study the, the tapes and the plays. He can pick up the blitz. So he gives us a lot of versatility in the backfield. He's had a very good offseason. He's another guy that's benefited from all our sports performance changes. And we, 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 we recognize that maybe last year didn't go the way that he wanted to in terms of productivity. But with the changes on the offensive line, with the quarterback returning, we're, we're hoping for, for a bounce-back year here with Lamar. Brian, with Lamar, he talked about being about seven or eight pounds lighter than he was last year. And I don't want to say that's in vogue in the NFL. Leonard Fournette's lost a little bit of weight. I know some people have to add. But was that imperative for him to come back lighter? Was that something that, that he wanted to do just so that he felt a little bit more lighter and explosive? Was that something he wanted to do, or is that just a result of going through the program with Luke? I think it's a combination of both, uh, Bill and I, and, and with Luke's direction. We spend a lot of time, and we stress the importance of body composition number one and number two being built to last like this is a a long grueling season if you count the preseason games those are those are 20 times that they gotta go the distance to get the games in december hopefully in january hopefully in february um but it's about getting your your body comp right for the position that you play very position specific to the position you play um so that you know you don't have any physical deficiencies and perhaps right now it takes a little bit of time to arrive to what that perfect body comp is but I think for Lamar right now, we're seeing some of those results pay because his movement skills look pretty good. Brian, we always talk about year one to year two jump with players, but with Deontay Foreman, he's coming back from a big injury. So what about his situation? Showed promise and flashes of, uh, of potential here year one. Unfortunately, he had a significant injury. Um, so he's working through that right now. Time will tell. He's a work in progress. He's working hard with the trainers. He's made some, some strides here since we've gotten up here to the Greenbrier. So it's a little bit of a wait and see because we don't know if he's going to be ready for the season or, or will he not when we, when we kick off. We're working to that goal. But what I like about, uh, about Foreman is he has an inside run presence. He has a downhill run presence. And he can be a complementary player to what Lamar offers us as a three-down player. But he's got this, this hidden skill set that uh, perhaps maybe others really haven't seen yet. He is good in the passing game. And for a young back coming into the league, he showed some promise and potential to be a three-down guy. Even though we anticipated a first and second down complementary role, he really offered more in the passing game. So we're excited about his promise and potential, but first and foremost, he's got to get help. Brian, let's flip it over to the defensive side. And everybody in the city of Houston, everybody nationally wants to know J.J. Watt coming back. Will he be the J.J. of old? We've seen him out here. He looks the same, but your thoughts about J.J.? Coming into year number eight. Wow, year number eight, J.J. Watt. Yeah, it's, it's hard to believe. So J.J.'s had a, a, a great offseason, uh, extremely hard worker in the rehab process. You know, I, I, I know it's hurt him to, to miss all the time that he's 
uh, been away from the game, but so far so good. That's what I can say is everything that we're seeing so far from uh, return to form, uh, his productivity level here in practice, his energy, his conditioning levels, his body is right, he's healthy. So if your body's right and your body's healthy and it's ready to perform, then we're very optimistic about his return to form. Whatever J.J. Watt gives us out on the field, we, we know it's going to be a positive, and you know you're going to get every ounce of performance out of J.J. as well. So we're excited to see ourselves, and uh, we're just happy that he's out here, that he's healthy, and that he's ready to go. How about D.J. Reader, second year as a starter at Nose? Inside run presence. Uh, you know, big, strong guy, has the ability to, to hold the point, he, uh, good anchor ability, he's strong. He's got good block recognition. He's got good read and react skills. Um, for a defensive lineman on the interior, he's a pretty good tackler. Like mm-hmm. He can finish plays in that regard. So we're excited about his promise and potential. We feel like the ceiling is high, the upside is high. Um, he had somebody to learn under when he first got here with Vince Wilfork in terms of being that inside run presence uh, and very good instincts for the position. So we're, we're, we're very excited about his future. Brian, a guy that a lot of times we talk about the injuries from last year, we talk about Watson and Watt and Merciless. One guy that I think we – sometimes forget to talk about is a guy we lost in the Seattle game, and that was Christian Covington. And I remember when he was drafted, he was coming off a knee injury at Rice, and I was convinced if he didn't have that injury, he may have gotten drafted a lot earlier. But he he seems like a very important part to that defensive line coming back. What do you see with Christian? Versatility and a utility player. And for us, we play three down fronts, we play four down fronts. Uh, we'll play a, a general base defense, and then we're going to get into situational football. What I like about Christian is he's not a one-hole player is that you can line them up in different variations and different alignments based on how you play three down or four down. So in a base defense, you probably could play defensive end. You may even be able to play inside. Uh, in a four down front, you know, he can play a three technique role, maybe even reduce even closer to a one. So there's a lot of versatility when you have him on the roster on game day, whether he plays in your base look or your situational fronts. You know, last year was such a tough year for the team injury-wise, but one of the blessings i guess you could say or silver linings is a better way to put it, is a lot of guys got playing time brandon dunn got a ton of playing time and you look at watkins getting some playing time i know joel heath got hurt you have him out here what about some of these other guys brian yeah so brandon dunn is a is a good inside run presence uh rotational run defender um he's a he's a player who's a good example who's improved for the for the few years that he's been here um so he gives us another inside run presence with dj so that dj doesn't get worn down in the games grinding on blocks uh, with Joel Heath, uh, he's back here. He's returned to form, coming off a significant injury. Between him and Christian Covington, we're going to manufacture the position here, there at mm-hmm. that defensive end. Joel gives us a height, length, strength presence in the running game at the defensive end position, so we're excited about his promise and potential. Uh, Watkins, a uh, young player we drafted in the fourth round last year from Clemson, he gives us a three-down backup that can rotate in base and sub. So we're happy about uh, his con- contributions here year one, and we're hoping he's going to continue to develop here year two. So we think that there's good competition. There's good rotational depth there. There's a combination of youth with experience. Um, so we're optimistic about the productivity levels of our defensive line. Brian, you brought up something pretty interesting a little while ago. You're talking about DJ Reader, and it, you talked about block recognition. As a nose tackle, everybody thinks, like, you just get double-teamed the whole game. 
And you brought up block recognition. What exactly does DJ do? What did did you mean by block recognition? And how is DJ good at something that I think a lot of fans probably just see him? Well, he just gets a he just splits double teams or he takes on double teams or whatever. What did you really mean by block recognition for DJ? What does that mean? There's a lot of instinctive instinctive responsibility playing that position because you're playing blocks from three different angles, straight ahead to your left and to your right, and and sometimes it's natural instincts that you got to rely on in terms of how you feel pressure of the blocks. He has natural ability to do that. I also think just from repetition and experience, uh, he's got a good feel for the combination blocks, um, and he's played those blocks well. So some of those guys might be big and strong, but other guys may not be able to feel and fight the pressure of those blocks. DJ is has the ability to do that, number one. Number two, it's his body type. You're talking about like a, a six foot two guy who was you know, 330 pounds. He plays with natural leverage, so he's hard to move off the point. And we like the fact that he can get off blocks yeah. and go make a tackle and not just be a block grinder to actually finish the play. So we're excited about his promise and potential. All right, so let's talk about defensive backs, and let's begin with the elder statesman, the veteran Jonathan Joseph, who is back again. You re-signed him in the offseason, and, Boy, he looks as young as ever, to me anyway, in the early going here in camp. Yeah, Jonathan's had a very good offseason for us. He's a good leader. Uh, his body is right. He's benefited from all the changes that we had in our offseason program. He trained well this spring and this summer. He was ready to go when he showed up to camp. said he actually ate a salad, so that's a good thing for the first <laughs> time. I, I, which is fascinating to think about. But then again, as a kid that hasn't eaten a salad as 18, I can understand that. The guy that we've talked a lot about, Brian, is Kevin Johnson. A tough year last year, banged up a little bit early, kind of banged up throughout the year. But his first year, rookie year, he battled, and I thought he had a good rookie year. And then he was looked like he was on the verge in 16, and then he hurt his foot. And then last year had a tough year. What have you seen with Kevin going forward to feel confident about what he can give you in his fourth year here? So two things. Number one, his body is right. And uh, num- number two, you can learn from the ups and downs. Yeah. You know, where there was a lot of ups here in your early part of Kevin's career, maybe perhaps last year it wasn't the year that he wanted. Uh, but he's had a very good offseason with us from strength development and body comp development. Um, he's learning everything he possibly can with Jonathan Joseph. Jonathan Joseph is a great mentor for the corner group. He's a great veteran leader and, and shows these guys some of the subtle subtleties and the nuances of playing the position. So He's getting great tutelage there. Coach Midget's done a great job with him with the, this offseason and having him ready to go. Um, Kevin's also got his body weight up as well this offseason, so he worked tremendously hard on that. Um, but I, I do think that there's something to learn from the ups and downs of, of playing the game and playing the position where, hey, look, these are the things I learned from all the positives, and perhaps if I didn't do these things well uh, last year, I can I can improve and develop in those areas. And I think Kevin has done a good job of trying to, to learn from those experiences. Brian, what are the expectations for Aaron Colvin, and how's he fitting in so far? So Aaron plays the uh, nickel position for us in, in sub-package defenses. He has the ability to play outside, and we know that, and that's a luxury for sure. But he's well-versed and experienced at playing that role. Item number two is he offers the height, weight, speed we like at that position. He's borderline six foot. He's 190 pounds. Um, he was a 4-4-4 guy coming out. So we like the idea that he offers the, the body type in there. Uh, and the other thing, too, is he played in the division. You know, very uh, very knowledgeable about the opponents that we're going to have to play. Um, you know, the three teams twice a year. That's going to do it with our special edition of Texans All Access with the best of Brian Gain from the Green Briar. Well, 
24 hours from now. It'll be half hour before kickoff. So we're looking forward to that from Arrowhead Stadium. Join us tomorrow, 7.30 kick, 4.30 with Texans Countdown, presented by FCL Dental, the game on television on ABC 13. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.